if you have your Bibles, if you'd open to 2 Timothy chapter 2, 2 Timothy chapter 2, the title of my sermon tonight is A Minister Made by God. A Minister Made by God. When we go to the text of Scripture, it is God's Scripture to us. And so every text is, is telling of the glory of our great God. And here we see what God does in making a minister. There are multiple imperatives or commands to Timothy, what Timothy must do to be a faithful man of God, ministering the gospel of Christ to the people of God. And behind all of this is God making Timothy into his servant. My first point out of verses 1 through 7 is God's power and grace in Jesus Christ are Timothy's marching orders. God's power and grace in Christ are Timothy's marching orders. Look with me at the first seven verses. You then, my child, be strengthened by the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And what you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses, entrust to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. Share in suffering as a good soldier of Christ Jesus. No soldier gets entangled in civilian pursuits, since his aim is to please the one who enlisted him. An athlete is not crowned unless he competes according to the rules. It is the hard-working farmer who ought to have the first share of the crops. Think over what I say, for the Lord will give you understanding in everything. God's power and grace in Christ are Timothy's marching orders. Timothy is given power to minister from God. Timothy is given power to think about the Word of God through the Apostle Paul to him. Timothy is given power to understand and grasp the Word of God because Paul says, think on what I say, God will give you understanding. God is the one who has strengthened you by His grace so that you will finish your race as I am coming to the end of my race. It is from the hand of God. Timothy, the Lord God Almighty has given you power and grace in Jesus Christ, and that's your marching orders. There are no excuses. You must complete your course. You must finish the race. You must minister and preach on for the crown of righteousness that's laid up for me and laid up for you and everybody who's looking for the day of the Lord Jesus Christ. God has empowered Timothy. God has given grace to Timothy. God has united Timothy to Jesus Christ, his own son. And in his union with Jesus Christ, Timothy has every reason to believe that he will finish and that he will be faithful. He has every reason to believe that in his own strength he will fall flat, but every reason to believe that in Jesus Christ he will persevere and he will follow behind the beloved apostle who trained him. And he too will enter into glory. And Paul reminds Timothy, it is by the power and grace of God in Christ that you will persevere. 
And he gives these metaphors. He says, Timothy, you are the one who are, is to soldier on in Jesus Christ. You are the one who is to be like the athlete who competes for the prize. You are the one who are to be the hardworking farmer. And the hardworking farmer expects the produce from his labor. Timothy, you are that man by God's grace and calling and power in Jesus Christ Soldier on by the power of God. You are the one who is called to work hard at preaching and teaching, to do the work of an evangelist as we see in 1 Timothy. And Paul will say of his own ministry in 1 Corinthians 15 that he outworked all the other apostles by the grace of God. Yet not I, but the grace of God in me. And we see that here. God's in his grace empowers Timothy, and Timothy is given a charge to work hard and to labor in the Word of God. This is God's great gift to his church in giving Timothy to his church to serve as a pastor in this context. So the second point, in verses 8 to 13, remember Jesus Christ, risen from the dead, the offspring of David, as preached in my gospel, for which I am suffering, bound with chains, as a criminal, but the word of God is not bound. You ought to say amen to that, amen. Therefore I endure everything for the sake of the elect, that they also may obtain the salvation that is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory. The saying is trustworthy. For if we have died with him, we will also live with him. If we endure, we also will reign with him. If we deny him, he also will deny us. If we are faithless, he remains faithful, for he cannot deny himself. My point here out of these verses is that God's elect, those who are saved by means of gospel preaching, are Timothy's motivation for self-sacrifice. Paul is placing an example before the young Timothy, and he is saying, I'm imprisoned, and I'm willing to endure all persecution and all suffering so that God's gospel will go forth, so that God in his sovereign grace will call souls to him through the means of gospel preaching. It is not to my shame, but it is to my great pride that I am able to suffer for the cause of Jesus Christ and to go into prison for God builds his church through gospel preachers and gospel preachers must bear the reproach of the name of Jesus Christ. And if I'm to make it into glory as we saw in Romans chapter 8 and verse 17 uh, last night, I am to suffer with him. We are joint heirs with Jesus Christ provided that we suffer also with him. There is no inheritance in Jesus Christ, beloved brothers and sisters in the Lord Jesus Christ, without the hand of God in your life shaping you and conforming you to the image of his son. And he uses trials and afflictions to bring that about in your life. And if you're left to trials and afflictions and sufferings on your own, you are indeed most to be pitied. You are indeed most destitute. But brothers and sisters in Jesus Christ, when you go through 
all the sufferings and all the trials that this world can throw on you, it is your great joy to know that those are but scaffolds in the hands of the Almighty shaping you into the image of Jesus Christ. Does it not strengthen you to know that you can endure if on the end you look more like the Savior? How much more can we endure everything that's piled on me? I am dust and I will crush into the ground under the weight of every trial and suffering. But if in the end I am brought near to my Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, wonder of wonders to reflect his glory and look more like him, I will weather on and I will endure and I will have the life that is eternal life in Christ alone and I will look like him perfectly in glory. Isn't that good news, especially to those of you who know me? Right now, you know, one day, just give him some time. God is not finished. He's chiseling it away. He's got a lot more to chisel away, but in glory, he'll look like the Savior. Praise God. Paul is saying that God's church that hears his gospel cry, those sinners in the world, when the gospel preachers go out there and they respond to the gospel of Jesus Christ, they respond by God's electing sovereign grace, by God's driven, motivated gospel preachers, and that that was his motivation. He can endure prison if the church is being called out from all the nations by the preaching of the gospel, he's happy to go into prison because Christ is exalted and glorified. And that's why we are in ministry to begin with. There is a confident evangelism that we see in verses 10 and 9 because he knows that this uh, global, eternal gospel plan is sweeping planet Earth and every era of human history with unstoppable force. No one can stop the Word of God. There is this confident evangelism because the Word of God is not chained. They can chain the gospel preacher. They can handcuff us. They can put us in the dungeon. They can beat us. But they can do nothing to stop the Word of God, which endures forever. The flower fades, the grass falls, but the Word of the Lord abides forever. Brothers and sisters, if you ever have the privilege to be persecuted and to suffer for preaching Jesus Christ in this lost world, you make sure that that is the reason why you are persecuted and suffer. Our beloved Michael, who couldn't be with us, here's an illustration for you. On a mission trip to Russia, Michael is as evangelistic a buddy as I know, as, as close a friend and dear friend as we have, and he is an evangelist par excellence. He loves Christ, and he loves to preach Christ. Well, he goes to Russia, and before he could even get to preaching Christ, the, the translator would talk to the person that he was trying to evangelize on the streets of Moscow, and they wouldn't listen to him because he was an American. And Michael Waldrop said, I resolved at that point not to let them know my country of origin. I'm not here to represent the United States of America. I'm here to represent Jesus. So he let in with, hello, my name is Michael. I am a minister of the gospel of Jesus Christ, and I'm here to tell you about Christ. So that if they walked away from him, they would be persecuting him for the right thing. Let us have that heart in us, there is the confidence in evangelism because God precedes the preacher and he goes and he's got a work that he's doing and he's drawing people from all the nations to himself and there's a confidence because the word of God is not bound. 
They can lock us up. They can do nothing to stop the word of God. It's unstoppable. Make sure, my brothers and sisters, that if you suffer, that you suffer as a Christian proclaiming Christ. And you will be blessed. There is a confident walk in here because it says if we endure, we will also reign with him. This speaks to God's grace in the lives of Christians. The gift of salvation is a gift of perseverance. If you have saving faith, brothers and sisters, you have a persevering faith. It doesn't go anywhere. It stays with you. There is the confidence in the walking in Jesus Christ. If you're saved, God saves you and predestines you unto good works. There is the evidence of saving grace in your life in the way that you live your life, by your speech, by your conduct, by your longings and desires, by how you spend your money and your time. All of that reflects Christ and saving grace in you. And here we see if we endure, we will also reign with him. There's a confidence in the walk that we will, in fact, be in him. We have a family that lost uh, a year and a half old little boy. And, and our church is about the size of this section over here. Well, he was all of our boy. He was dear to us. And I knew this family for some time, God had granted us grace to get to know them. And I saw the caliber of their saving faith. They're serious about the Lord. And when their little one died, we were all weeping. And it hurts. And they were brought down to the depths. And our church rallied in a frenzy around them. Their faith went nowhere. Not because of the church rallying to them, although the church rallying to them showcased God's love for them in that time of pain. As we celebrated the, the home going of little Titus, we wept for them because we knew that they were having to deal with the pain of loss. But all throughout this, it's been a year now, and they gathered around that little fellow's grave, and his dad proclaimed, Christ, you will endure. Nothing is stronger than your God, and he dwells in you. You will endure. You will proclaim Christ if you have saving faith. It doesn't go away, even in the deepest of pain, even with the most serious threats that are looming on your horizon. Oh, beloved sister and brother in Christ, I'm here to tell you, you will endure, and you'll reign with him. He has saved you. He is with you. You'll reign in Christ forever. You're a joint heir with Christ Jesus. No one can take you from the hand of Jesus Christ. Nay, no one can take you from the hand of the Father, Christ says. You will make it. Don't, don't fall into despair. And if you're tempted to do so, you body up to the church of God and you come to those who love him and let them rally to you in a frenzy. I know the caliber of First Baptist Church Keller. I've heard it through the years through my brother here. You, you will endure. Timothy, you will endure. 
You can have a confident evangelism, a confident salvation, a confident walk. There's a clear warning at the end of this. Don't have much time to get into this. If we deny him, he will also deny us. If we are faithless, he also remains faithful. There are some who think that faithless here has uh, somewhat less of a bite to it than deny. If we deny him, that's total apostasy that we were never really saved to begin with and we didn't, we didn't follow through. We just had a false faith, a false assurance like James talks about, that it was a dead faith the demons uh, possess and know the right things. And there, but there are others who see in this that uh, the deny and the faithless are basically parallel and they mean the same thing and that God will deny us and that he is faithful means that God remains faithful to his mission. God remains faithful to those who deny him. He is the judge of all the earth, the just judge, and those who turn away from him will incur his wrath and judgment. I favor the latter there. I think that this term is used in that sense, that there is a, a faithlessness, but God's mission cannot be stopped. Timothy, this is a clear warning to you. If you deny the Savior, you never had him to begin with. If you're faithless, you never had him to begin with. But God is faithful and he doesn't need anybody. And you will not stop his mission. And his judgment will fall on you. But, oh, Timothy... Beloved in the Lord, my child, you belong to him. Weather on. Weather on and preach Jesus Christ. He is with you. You can endure. You will endure. For Christ's sake, in his glory, you will. Thirdly, in verses 14 to 9, we see that God's church is Timothy's deployment or Timothy's stadium, if you will, or Timothy's vineyard or or, or wheat field or orchard in light of those uh, metaphors in the first few verses we see verses 14 down to 19 remind them of these things and charge them before God not to quarrel about words which does no good but only ruins the hearers do your best to present yourself to God as one approved a worker who has no need to be ashamed rightly handling the word of truth but avoid irreverent babble for it will lead people into more and more ungodliness, and their talk will spread like gangrene. Among them are Hymenaeus and Philetus, who have swerved from the truth, saying that the resurrection has already happened. They are upsetting the faith of some, but God's firm foundation stands, bearing this seal. The Lord knows those who are his, and let everyone who names the name of the Lord depart from iniquity. You see the the sovereign hand of the Lord promising Timothy, he knows you, Timothy. He knows you. The Lord God of all creation knows you. He knows those who belong to him. Timothy is called to exercise his gifting in the local church. God's church is Timothy's deployment. He is to remind them. He is to charge them. This is not just Paul giving instruction to Timothy so that Timothy can grow and, and, and grow in his intellectual knowledge and be a better person and a better individual. He is instructing young Timothy because Timothy must take this and pass it on to others and entrust it to others to teach. Timothy must charge them, the church. He must remind them, the church. Timothy, you're a part of the body of Jesus Christ. You're called to so live 
live and walk in Christ because Christ's very bride depends on your faithfulness in preaching his word because God uses the means of his word to call sinners to himself and to sanctify those sinners once he's called them to to himself. He has sent you to his people, Timothy. Your walk in the Lord Jesus Christ is not just about you. It's always about your brothers and sisters in the Lord Jesus Christ and where you beloved members of God in Jesus Christ, where you fall off in your walk with the Lord Jesus Christ, your brothers and sisters will suffer. Timothy must do this in the context of the local church. He's deployed as the soldier. He's the athlete in the stadium. He's the hardworking farmer in the field, and that field is the church of God. This is his calling. He is to have the word of God. And verse 15 to me is a key verse in all of this, not only in this chapter, but in all of this letter. Do your best to present yourself to God as one approved, a worker who has no need to be ashamed, rightly handling the word of truth. Timothy is called of God to work for God among God's people so that he handles the word of God without one who needs to be ashamed. We saw that last night, that shame can have a shame over guilt of sin. Here it would be a shame over the mishandling of the word of God. Don't be ashamed of yourself at the end of the day, Timothy, as a gospel preacher. Proclaim the word of God and remind them to stop quarreling over trifling uh, issues and matters. And where there's false doctrines, correct those. And the word of God is a buttress to the church of God. It is the church of God that is the pillar and support of the truth. And the word of God is central in that. And everything that First Baptist Church Keller does, I know that her pastor and her pastoral staff are eager to have the word of God central in it. My people hear me say this. You've had me enough time. You've heard me say this. I'll always say this till the day I die, I pray. At Grace Covenant Baptist Church, We want to teach the Word, preach the Word, observe the Word in baptism and the Lord's Supper, sing the Word, and pray the Word. We are to be Bible-saturated throughout, and the ministry of the Word of God is is central, and the man of God must be given to that. And the church who loves God and loves His Word will make sure that the man of God gives himself to that. You want to hold Pastor Keith's feet to the fire, hold it to this fire. Don't hold it to some unbiblical fire. Don't put pressure on him to do things away from the word of God. And I thank God that his testimony is nothing short of that. And I know that he has faithfully labored away through the years, verse by verse, text to text, preaching the word of God, withholding nothing from you. I praise God for him. And may God grant that faithfulness to continue. As we saw last night, may there be generations, whatever that is, if it's next year or a hundred years, may there be generations of faithfulness so that when Jesus Christ returns, First Baptist Church Keller will be here welcoming her Redeemer. God forbid that Grace Covenant Baptist Church or First Baptist Church Keller be found unfaithful in the day of Christ's return. How will she weather the storm? by a faithful man of God who is earnestly giving himself 
to God and preaching the word of God to the people of God. It dispels false doctrines and it puts away quarrels. It puts those things to bed. Finally, in verses 20 down through the end of the chapter, we see God's call to holiness is Timothy's very usefulness. God's call to holiness is Timothy's very usefulness. Now in a great house there are not only vessels of gold and silver, but also of wood and clay, some for honorable use, some for dishonorable. Therefore, if anyone cleanses himself from what is dishonorable, he will be a vessel for honorable use, set apart as holy, useful to the master of the house, ready for every good work. So flee youthful passions and pursue righteousness, faith, love, and peace, along with those who call on the Lord from a pure heart. Have nothing to do with foolish, ignorant controversies. You know that they breed quarrels, and the Lord's servant must not be quarrelsome, but kind to everyone, able to teach, patiently enduring evil, correcting his opponents with gentleness. God may perhaps grant them repentance, leading to a knowledge of the truth, and they may come to their senses and escape from the snare of the devil after being captured by him to do his will." God's call to holiness is Timothy's very usefulness. Without holiness, there's no power behind this pulpit. Without holiness, your pastor and associate pastors have no power. God doesn't bless the man who doesn't pursue holiness and righteousness. And you ought to pray fervently for the man of God. How many times do we see failings in the pastorate? in our day. And that has been the case throughout church history. I think Satan has his, his uh, weapons fixed, his bullseye fixed on the men of God and especially the Timothys that are out there who would be faithful, especially the Apostle Pauls who would be faithful. And Paul reminds Timothy here, if you're to be a vessel used of God, you must guard your purity, you must guard your holiness, you must walk in the Lord Jesus Christ, shunning wickedness and, and evil and youthful passions, pursuing righteousness, faith, love, and peace. You don't just throw off sins in your Christian walk. You pursue Christ. And if you're struggling in your walk in the Lord Jesus Christ, your battle is not just about recognizing sin and mortifying sin in the flesh. It is about that. But that's just part of the story. You must pursue with all passion Jesus Christ. The closer you draw near to the Lord, He draws near to you. And you must walk close to the Lord your God to have victory over the sins that so easily ensnare you. Satan would ensnare your pastor. You pray God to keep him at bay. And you pray God for your pastor's Conduct and his teaching. And that's what Paul tells Timothy in another area. He says, you pay attention to yourself and to the teaching, Timothy. Walk in holiness before the Lord Jesus Christ and don't withhold anything from the people of God in preaching him. Preach the whole counsel of God to them and watch and guard your life. Personal holiness from a heart to be useful to the master of the church is what he's saying here. You must have a personal holiness that flows not out of trying to impress the church folks, but out of trying to please Jesus, your master. You want to be used of God in his hand. Timothy 
is called to this. And this has a relational aspect, doesn't it? For we see here that as we grow in the Lord, and this demands patience on both our part as pastors and on the part of the flock of Jesus Christ toward their pastor, because we get in the flesh so easily. And it's so easily for me to be quarrelsome and to be foolish and to want to engage in ignorant uh, ignorant controversy. That's modern Mississippi for ignorant. Ignorant. And ignorant controversies. It's so easy for me to want to do that. But I must have a flock who's patient with me as I grow in the Lord Jesus Christ. And you must be patient with your pastor as he is to be patient here with you and not going about picking fights. The Lord's servant must not be quarrelsome but kind to everyone able to teach, patiently enduring evil, correcting his opponents with gentleness. So there's this relational ministerial heart to serve Christ's flock instead of selfish desires to be regarded as right. And as the, the, the head honcho around here, we are just people among the congregation gifted to serve the congregation who needs the congregation of the Lord. There is an authority in the office of a pastor. It, it, it is the authority of the Word of God. But we are in need of the congregation. And Ephesians has this beautiful picture, doesn't it, in Ephesians chapter 4, where the congregation, the people of Christ come together and they speak the truth with quarreling. That's not what it says, is it? They speak the truth in love. And what happens? They build each other up even into our head, Jesus Christ. Oh, brother and sister, your walk in the Word of God as an individual follower and disciple of Jesus Christ is so that you gather with the saints and pour forth speaking the truth in love to each other so that you aid in the building up of your brothers and sisters into their head, Jesus Christ. Praise God for churches who show this. And the pastor here is one who is to model and emulate this. We are called to this. We, he, by his personality, by his character, by his conduct, by his preaching and teaching, will head off quarrels, and he will avoid those who have a mind to be quarrelsome. He, by his kindness and instruction and patience and correction and gentleness, will showcase the very heart of Jesus Christ who, by the way, is the only one who has the right to be offended, and he gives us grace. He bore the curse of the cross for us. You and I have no right to be offended at anything. I, I heard one brother say the, the thing that he pursues perhaps most than everything in his Christian walk is to be unoffendable. God help me. I'm a long way away from that. My feathers ruffle so easily. And the southern fire in this old southern man, it, it just boils up in me. And I would tear people down and use the gifts and talents and abilities that God gives me in my mind and my ability to communicate to tear down his flock. God, be merciful to me, the sinner. That's no way to conduct oneself in the ministry of the word of God. But the flesh will pull us to that. And so the people of God must walk collectively together in prayer for the pastor, and the pastor must show this example. Here, Timothy is to long more for his opponent's repentance than for his own vindication. Isn't that something? 
Sounds like Jesus Christ to me. How far this old sinner has to go. Jesus Christ, the son of the living God who gave breath to those who were standing and cursing him and hitting him in the face and mocking him and spitting on him and sending him to the cross who could in just one breath end them and they deserved nothing and he owes them no explanation. He holds his tongue and prays for them for they know not what they do. And we would have preachers who would put up our dukes and get our feathers ruffled? God forbid. Timothy longed for those opponents' repentance. God may grant them repentance yet. Don't turn them away from the gospel of Jesus Christ by your heart attitude and your actions. You hold the course. You teach them. You don't bend on the truth of the word of God, but don't you dare be guilty of being unloving. Recognize, Timothy, in other words, that the true enemy is not the one who's berating you and attacking you, but Satan who is behind him. And that's what he says. They've been captured by Satan to do his will. You're the gospel preacher, Timothy. You're called to preach Christ, and Christ is in the business of rescuing those who are captured by Satan. All of us were captured by Satan, Ephesians chapter 2. We were all in the household of Satan. We were all slaves of the prince of the power of the air. That's just language to describe Satan. And God rescued you in Jesus Christ. Church family, don't, don't take out your fangs on someone who comes at you. Show them Christ Jesus and walk in the Lord and by your, uh, by your faithfulness and obedience, grow in the grace that is in Jesus Christ. Well, there's so much here. I close by saying this where, where I began, that Timothy is uh, only going to do this by the power and grace of God given to him. Nothing that is charged of Timothy here can Timothy ever come close to by his own strength and in the flesh. He can't do it. But by God's grace, he can. And by God's grace, you will. I'm in the habit of saying a lot of things as you hear me say this. When I go to churches, I really don't say this a lot in my church because they know that I'm in the habit of it. When I go to prayer churches, I say this. I said, when there's something pressing in on the church or pressing in on us, they say, we're praying for God to be glorified and to God to use this and that that we will come out on the end better from that and, and that God will, uh, God will bless us. And then I always say, and he will. He will. I have no confidence in Jody Anderson. Uh, none, none whatsoever. But I have all confidence in the Lord God Almighty and Jesus Christ. And I have every confidence that he who began that good work in you will be faithful to complete it. All praise and honor to God in Christ. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this night and your holy word. Please, God, I pray that you would guard and protect what you have started here at First Baptist Church Keller. She is your church. She belongs to you. She tells of your glory, Lord, even now and, and through her existence, Lord. And I pray that you will uh, return to find whoever it is faithful here, a faithful flock. And I pray that for... Grace Covenant Baptist Church, I pray that for all of our sister churches. Please, God, guard your churches, guard your men that you have called, that we be faithful to preach your truth in love until the day we die. In Jesus' name, amen.